Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. So much. Nominees for the best performance by an actress are Isabella Gianni in the story of Adele H. Anne Margaret in Tommy. Louise Fletcher in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Glenda Jackson in Hedda. Carol Kane in Hester Street. And the winner is. The winner is. Louise Fletcher. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 1976 ceremony year win for Louise Fletcher, playing the always iconic villain... Nurse Ratchet. Uh, 1976, Best Picture went to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Best Actor went to Jack Nicholson for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Best Supporting Actor went to George Burns for The Sunshine Boys. Best Supporting Actress went to Lee Grant for Shampoo. We did that episode. You should check it out. It's very entertaining. And Best Director went to Milos Foreman for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, today, I am joined by a friend, a fellow comedian. His album, his comedy album, Born This Weight, went to number one on iTunes. And he also is a cat dad. <laughs> it's Brian Hat. Hi, Brian. If anything is learned during this podcast, uh, I hope it's that I'm a cat dad. Yeah. That, that that's what stays with you at the end of this broadcast. It stays with me forever just because there aren't a lot of cat dads in comedy. And I'm not afraid to talk about it either, you know? It was, I was worried it was going to be a source of shame when I I was considering getting a cat. Mm-hmm. Now I like him more than most people. I agree. Yeah. Once you kind of get on their energy <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you appreciate them, consent is so important. I mean, he tugged my leg as I was trying to get out the door today. It's just like, no, Papa, please stay. Like, if that's not the sweetest damn thing in the whole world. <laughs> You're like, he then shit. But yeah, exactly. everything yeah. leading up to that was very cute. Very cute. Um, okay, so I will say that this is arguably one of the most entertaining years I have ever done for this podcast because the fact that all five of these nominees are all considered for the same award <laughs> makes no fucking sense because you couldn't have any more. Every single performance is so different and so bizarre from each other. And I mean... Obviously, the craziest one is Tommy. I'd been warned um, about Tommy, but not like warned, but just sort of somebody had mentioned that they wanted to do this year because of the film Tommy being so strange and out there. So when I saw that we were watching this film, I was like, okay, it did not disappoint. No. It was fucking weird. You recommended I hit a bong before that one. I <laughs> yes. think the better drug would have been acid now that I've watched <laughs> it. It's, uh, it needs something a little stronger than just weed. It was absolutely insane and the thing is is I I think another thing that's going to be very interesting about this is because Nurse Ratchet is one of the most iconic movie villains of all time I mean even uh, Sarah Paulson uh, did a series on Netflix called Ratchet and it's about the character and her journey and stuff like this it's a little bit more evil in the show a little bit more sinister where um, I have seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest before um, and I do enjoy this movie I maybe don't understand why 
uh, Nurse Ratchet is one of the greatest villains of all time. I even literally watched a documentary explaining why she is regarded as such, and we will okay. sort of get into that. Um, but let's, because we were just sort of talking about the movie Tommy and and Anne Margaret, let's let's talk about Anne Margaret in the movie Tommy. So very quickly for anybody um, that doesn't know, this is the IMDb description, by the way, this is not my description, but a psychosomatically blind, deaf and mute boy, even though they call him dumb over and over again, becomes a master pinball player and subsequently the figurehead of a cult. Now, how we get to any of those beats of the story, I don't know. Um, this is um, starring Roger Daltrey, who is the founder of The Who. It's all music by The Who. There is a performance by Tina Turner. And by the way, I asked if Betty performance. was originally <laughs> supposed to be a David Bowie. I could see that totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this is I mean, like that a would make the robot thing a little more right. on point. <laughs> it's a very psychedelic, crazy musical, but like not like Rocky Horror Picture Show, where it's like fun rock and roll no. and there's a story. Yeah. This is just like a super long acid trip music yeah, yeah. video. Or yeah, one's a musical, the other's kind of like a like a rock video. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And Anne Margaret is the mother of Tommy. And I really got to say, good for her for fucking doing <laughs> yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. I had, I can honestly say, I have no idea what was going on. I didn't understand the story. I didn't understand any of the characters' motivations. It's more like, this is what's happening, and you just go along with it. <laughs> and I really got to say, Anne Margaret, for me, was the only person in the film that was grounding it emotionally when she needed to and I could understand where her character was coming from in that regard otherwise I had no fucking clue what was happening <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, it was a weird movie I did enjoy it but I just didn't understand it anyway what did you think of this movie and what did you think of Anne Margaret uh, again I had seen the musical years ago on Broadway oh, okay. so I thought I had a fairly good idea of what I was about to witness going in and that was misleading the Broadway musical. They do even leave out a couple of plot points that are included in this movie. So it was you were right. It was an absolute friggin' like trip. The, like the, <laughs> the, the 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 live production was more clear. Yes, yeah. It was more just about him and getting over the trauma and then the growing of the thing of um uh, of his fame with the pinball wizard and coming out of a shell and all this. Uh, and then, the, yeah, I don't remember the cult leader status as much in the, I mean, granted this was some time ago, but anyhow, um, <laughs> yes, I just, it's, we're it's, all confused. Yeah. Yeah. No, everyone's confused. I try again. Like I said, the last time I was here, cause I think we were also kind of working 30 years ago or something that you have to put yourself in the mindset of the time. Do you know what I mean? So all right. this, all this, like, like barfed up over the top symbol like symbolism everything was symbolism there was very few straightforward scenes like at one point and margaret fully committed i might add is rolling around in a fountain of brown beans yeah <laughs> like and here's what I, I have to say to agree with you that she was the only grounded thing in this whole production and she is giving 110 percent to her performance yeah. which again she had to sing for which you know again to add to the 
the difficulty at which she's um, performing, you know, to fully commit and try and, because everything's so on the surface, uh, everything's so broad in musicals, you know, to give it a sense of, uh, you know, like you have your feet on your ground. um, It's so difficult, and I was so impressed with her in this movie because of that, because, yeah, she was sort of the linchpin that I kind of, like, I was following her almost more than Daltrey because, you know, he's... Well, she's the only one he's acting. He's a prop, you know, for the first half of the movie. You know? I mean, he has the emotional range of a corpse. Well, he's, yeah, he's a freaking rock star, and there's just... Again, he was basically just used in effigy over and over and over again, like all these weird Jesus shots. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's super high yeah. budget. Oh, like, yeah. this whole... It Huge. was it was, it was was a visual... Like, I'm saying, yeah. like, that's why I was like, get high, because yeah. it's like, you can appreciate... Maybe it would make more sense if you were stoned, I don't know, or on acid or mushrooms or something, because it's a psychedelic thing. Yeah, yeah. And when you're watching it, you you don't you don't ask questions. It's yeah. just it's that ex- it's like go with the flow. It's like you just this is just what's happening. And yeah, so yeah. it's an art piece more than a film. It almost feels exactly. like. like I should be watching it in a gallery, not on my big screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I guess you kind of see like the biggest journey probably for Anne Margaret because she originally it's like I think just after the Second World War and then her husband. Yeah, at the beginning of the war. Yeah. Or at the beginning, and then, and then he, he dies. Come and back, then, and then he does. Yeah, and then and then um, but and then the weird Grease character. That's what the stepdad who feels like he's character from Greece. That's where it kept throwing me off because he's in a whole other movie with the hair and the slick. And right. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it feels like he's not even in the same world at times. But he tried to kill Tommy with Acid Betty. Yes, yeah, yeah. But that I didn't get that. I had to go. I had to. I had to read oh, online what I was watching it. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. Honestly, once he got his um, speech back, I, I was kind of lost after that. The cult thing. It's <laughs> like, it's so like difficult to sit there for two hours decoding all the symbolism like can't you just give me some plot like i'll take some exposition right now i just love some yeah some idea of what the direction of this movie is well the weirdest movie i've ever watched for this podcast was david lynch's wild at heart uh with like willem dafoe Mm -hmm. and um it is easily the biggest what the fuck i've ever seen i've ever seen until this movie. Until this, yeah, yeah. I, I have never seen anything like it. Although I think I kind of enjoyed this movie where um, Wild at Heart I kind of hated. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a couple of facts about this movie. So um, according to director Ken Russell's DVD commentary, Sir Elton John, oh, by the way, Elton John is also in this movie, uh, initially turned down the part of the pinball wizard. One of those uh, seriously considered for the role was David Essex, who played Tommy in the 1973 stage production and recorded a version of the pinball wizard at his home studio. However, producer Robert Stigwood held out on John, who finally agreed to play the role on the condition that he could keep the oversized Doc Martin boots from his costume. Those like That was the deal break. That was the deal breaker. The 10-foot boots. Those gigantic fucking boots. He's such a queen. You could have walked out with those. Nobody would have said, yeah. you're on the fucking job. What are you talking about? Excuse me, sir. Where are you going? I'm standing oh my for goodness. cleaning. That's hilarious. Uh, Anne-Margaret won the Best Actress Golden Globe for her performance in like a comedy musical. Um, and remains, to this day, the only actress ever nominated in a lead category for performance, which is, uh, except for one single word, entirely sung. 
that's true. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Yeah, you don't see a lot of musicals didn't nominate anyone. Um, Anne Margaret largely improvised the infamous bean scene. Uh, director Ken Russell simply <laughs> told her that her character was having a nervous... Oh, it was a nervous breakdown. Well, yeah, she's going... Because she said the champagne dream, I think she kept saying. Well, it. first it's bubbles. She's feeling guilty, I think, for the success. Enjoying the uh, all the advantages that her son's success is brawler and trying to... Listen, we could all pitch ideas, okay? (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea what was happening. But then the beans turned into like, um, didn't it turn into shit? Foam again. Well, because there was foam and then there was beans and then there was like a chocolate river, which I assumed was like shit. And then, like, literally when the phone came out after the beans, I was just like, all right, is this really part of the symbolism? Or are you just trying to, because it's Aunt Margaret and she's insanely hot. You want her to roll around some suds. Right. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. But that took me out for a second. Unfortunately, at one point during filming, her hand accidentally struck the broken glass on the television screen and Russell had to rush her to the hospital for stitches. So... Dangerous yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Conditions. I hope she got paid well because she earned every fucking dollar. I'll tell you <laughs> that, man. Every dollar. It was yeah. Um, I just I I enjoy her commitment. Uh, the singing was was fine, and just the fact that she went along with this ridiculousness, I I admire. And um, um, you really could make an argument for. I would actually say almost. Four of these nominees for winning this Oscar. I think the only 100%. person in this list that wouldn't have a chance in hell would be Glenda Jackson because she'd already won two mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at that point. And also, like, I mean, we'll we'll get into Very that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. But basically, each one of these nominees is so different that I feel like Anne Margaret, if she would have won, it'd be like, yeah, because yeah. she rolled around in beans for fucking <laughs> sure, yeah. and cut her hand open. You can 100% make that argument. She's terrific in it. And, yeah, she's solid all the way through. But, like, what is the big Oscar moment? Does she have a big Oscar moment? I don't know. Uh, no, I, I think, again, you have to remember that because now we see, you know, Mean Girls got turned into a musical and friggin' Spider-Man, you know, Harry Potter. This was cutting edge of the, a rock opera never been conceived of before. Like, this is somebody who's trying to blend, like, Beethoven with Bachman Turner Overdrive. You know I mean? Right, like, right. So I think it was just, like you said, it's not only that she's kind of containing this, this TNT or anything, but totally. it's a completely experimental thing, and it somehow stays on the rails, just barely, but it somehow stays on the rails, you know what I mean? So that that in itself is a bit of an accomplishment, because they took a huge swing here, and Margaret included. Yeah. And, oh, and it yeah. worked. It was a, a financial success. It was commercial. The critics loved it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you got to give it up for that, yeah. Taking a risk and it paying off. Uh Uh-huh. And that does count for something. And then you also have to ask yourself, who else do you see in this? Like, once you've seen them do it, can you really see other people doing it? Well, she's the only one hard to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she really is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm... Yeah. No, you're right. She's by far and away the best one in there. Yeah. Because, like, emotionally speaking, like, she would... It was either high or low, or it yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. she she was just kind of the only character that you understood. I will say, Jack Nicholson, in his short performance, is also grounded. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very Jack Nicholson, too. That's very funny. I forgot about yeah. him as the doctor. Yeah. He takes the check. Yeah, yeah. When they, when they um, pinball cult, they they kill her. Yes, yeah. Also, I, I didn't... I didn't 
I just didn't know what the hell was going on. No, the on. switch. I didn't get. I mean, I was kind of having a little trouble hearing all the words, and I couldn't get the closed captions on. But yeah. oh, one, one second he's on top of the world, and they're praising him. Everybody's playing pinball and loving mm-hmm. it, and then within seconds they're they they're attacking him, and you just I don't understand. Their little crucifix with a pinball on top. Oh, of Oh my it. god! Yeah, can we scream Jesus any more times? Yeah, friggin' film, man. It was just too much. But I I enjoyed sort of the iconography of it all. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember 1975. That's why I had to keep telling myself. Yeah. 1975. Okay. This Very is three years before budget. I was even born. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, en- I enjoyed yeah. it. I, I would yeah. never watch this again. No, the, yeah, just for the experience, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. But I mean, is, is it going back in? Not again without the, the LSD. That is, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's a good place to leave that there. Um, okay, so because we were talking about Glenda Jackson and, and Hedda. I do want to make it clear, though. Not that she has a bad performance. It's a very, very good performance. It's just that compared to the, all of the other nominees, it would be very strange. I think she was she was the lucky-to-be-there kind of nominee, if you will. Because, okay, so very quickly, Hedda. When she learns that her husband's rival, uh, played by Patrick Stewart with hair, uh, for a university position, uh, his name is Edgelert? I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, has made a surprising comeback with a recent publication. Uh, She's quick to push him back into his former alcoholism, steal the sequel to his book, and even encourage the writer to kill himself. Um, So Glenda Jackson, when she kind of does these period pieces, you know, I'm sure for the time, her and uh, like Maggie Smith, for example, Mm -hmm. were kind of like the go-to. Yeah, yeah. And Glenda Jackson is an amazing actress. Hedda was definitely this had this movie had my attention for the first like 30, 40 minutes, and then I realized, oh my god, we're never leaving this living room. No, no, you can sense the play. It's an instant. <laughs> like it yes. becomes very clear what you're watching. Yeah, about forty minutes in. Yeah. Yes, and then you realize that she is calculated. She's manipulative. She's kind of evil. She only married her husband because of convenience. She doesn't really love him very much. She's willing to destroy relationships around her to get whatever it is that she wants, which all sounds interesting. Yes, yeah, but yeah. the the execute you have a lot to play with there. When she when yeah, yeah. she um burns the manuscript, obviously this is the days before computers, there's no other copy. Once no, you have the right. and you're like it's dun dun dun. It's not even really that dramatic. It doesn't hit as hard. I mean it's hard to really get yeah really feel the weight of that in the you have to use a lot of your uh, imagination yes, yeah, yeah. to get into it. You gotta be into the period, which I did feel like the film was a little lackluster on like I get this as a stage play converted to a film, but yeah. you know, fill in the background a little bit. Show me a little ambient shots before you put me in the living room for the one millionth time. Oh my god, I know. I don't <laughs> think we ever left the living room. <laughs> well, the backyard because he kept coming in the back, which was like oh, again wing, a little heavy-handed friggin' symbolism. Um, I do love how terrifying she is. Oh, she, again, like, what was the film we saw with her last time? Because it's the same character in a different period. She plays maybe the best manipulative shrew I've ever seen. Like, borderline sociopathic. Women in love. Women in love, yeah. And again, it kind of ends in a similar fashion, too. Because she basically loved a guy so hard that she convinced him to commit suicide. And here we are again visiting this (laughs) same theme. Call Glenda. She's believable in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And in, in a way, she's, I don't want to say it's a bit too much of a comparison, but her acting does sort of come through um, 
a level above even the people around her. Not that they're bad, although Patrick Stewart is playing really hard in the, in his scenes too. But yeah, like she is just so like laser focused. Her intentions, you know, you can read her face like you know Harry Potter. Like it's grade three reading. Do you know what I mean right. big old font? Like she's so clear to read. She's never off point for a second. But as we were kind of joking, the the stale nature of the Ibsen play, and it's like the whole thing is a uh, sort of a joke about boredom and how literally boredom will kill. <laughs> like right. I kept flashing back that like you have to remember that these are women idea. that aren't allowed to do anything. <laughs> yeah, and then once you're married, you basically sit alone in a time when you barely have. Yeah, I don't even think they had electricity. Like there's nothing to do but read or write, and that's it. Because <laughs> you can't work, you can't do that. You can't do anything like yeah. to the point where your mind wanders so bad you go into like like deep psychotic <laughs> start manipulating yeah, everybody exactly. around you because you're just fucking bored. Just taking random shots at neighbors as they come into your backyard. Like the whole pistol shit was insane. You know. No, it was insane. But the the thing is, is that there are certainly like beats of the movie that like really stood out to me. Like when she shoots and when she burns the manuscript, when she shoots herself. When she threatens, she keeps threatening to burn hair. That really disturbed me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Who threatens that? That's it's a weird, really fucked up. There's like beats yeah, of yeah. the movie that I remember, but overall, you, there, there's not really like a journey exactly. No. It's just kind of like, this is Hedda. Yeah. Don't fuck with her. Yeah, yeah. Here's the start. Here's the end. And then that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and so I can understand why actors would be like, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of like winning this Oscar, like this year, absolutely not. So yeah. um, this was her fourth and final Best Actress Oscar nomination. Uh, Jenny Linden, who plays Thea Elvstead in the movie yeah, yeah. also played Glenda Jackson's sister in Women in Love. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really are great together. Yes. And I prefer, you know, it's funny because I remember whenever we watched Women in Love and I, we were both just confused because yes. we're like, we don't get the historical context of it, but like, no. I would see, I prefer watching her in something like this. Like whenever she was in, uh, whenever she was in Mary Queen of Scots playing Queen Elizabeth. The first, mm-hmm. I was like, yes. Like, I was like, I totally, I totally get this. But then when I see her in certain roles, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't get it. But it's like, whenever she does these kind of like period pieces, mm-hmm. she's just acting circles around everybody. It just makes sense. It really it, puts it her fits. in context well. Yeah, yeah. It really, it, I like, Much I just like, like Patrick to... Stewart too. Like, he just fits in like a glove on a hand. You know what I mean? He's perfect. Um, I'm trying to, this was. The second movie of Sir Patrick Stewart, this movie was released in December and Hennessy was released in July of 1975. So this was like his debut year. Really good. He almost got beamed up to the Enterprise (laughs) shortly after. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny, I don't ever think of him as like a movie star. I only think of him as Star Trek. Right, yeah, because I never saw any of his young stuff. But, you know, he was always so revered for his his, uh, his theater career. This felt like a plague, you know, so I felt like I got to see a bit of it. He really is, again, much like her. Like, you're, you're never questioning his intentions for a second. He's just so con- such conviction both of them are acting with. It's, it's fantastic. I think the only thing that I wrote down near the end was not a high-stakes plot, but she's acting the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, weirdly enough, like you said, yeah, her character arc is kind of small, really. It's just like, I'm bored. You know, she starts bored and she ends bored. Yeah. 
to the point where her boredom just keeps causing more and more tragedy in a way. Although is it even tragic if you if you're the one setting it all up? But right. yeah, Patrick Stewart's character has a much greater arc in a sense. Like his life goes through absolute turmoil in the short time that you see him. You know? Yeah, he comes in in love and ends up putting a bullet through his uh, stomach by accident. Which... He's the more interesting story. Mm-hmm. I think if they would have expanded on that, focused on him and like his past and like what he did wrong and yeah, their past. Cause she was the one part that I was kind of confused. Cause she really does come off like a, a almost like a psychopath, you know, like she has no emotions, but then cause she's so concerned with suicide being done beautifully. And then she was so happy for Patrick Stewart when she thought, he had killed himself beautifully, but then found out he shot himself in the stomach, which, if you don't know, is one of the most painful ways you can die. That she was genuinely upset, no, but she but... she showed genuine emotion for the first time in the film. You're just like, well, if you really loved him, yeah, why, why did you give him your pistol and trick him into shooting himself when you knew full well that you had his manuscript in your desk drawer? Like it's like I didn't even understand honestly, other than to deflect competition away from her husband that was also in running for that same job. Yes. I don't understand why she destroyed And her best friend said that she was in love with this man, but then she also showed very little interest in like that's why I think she's just a straight up sociopath like Yeah. Is this like is that what this story is supposed to be about because Ibsen was very dark and tragic all the time so maybe this is his weird exploration of Right. Yeah, psychos in the in the early yeah I just that would be kind of my only really kind of criticism it wouldn't be of the performance I guess it's just more the script because I just didn't understand a lot of people's motivations yeah yeah it's uh, again that's Ibsen he's very kind of thoughtful and deep and dark and let's go into the the most darkest recesses of your human psyche (laughs) sure it's not like you know Shakespeare where you can have a laugh and a song every once in a while he's always kind of concerned with the the worst parts of humanity but like maybe we could go into the front yard (laughs) or upstairs Uh yeah the backyard is only included to make some go to the gas station (laughs) something let's switch it up let's just go because it it was um, very difficult to find this movie and now I know why (laughs) (laughs) no one's like you know we should pop in like no real chill time um okay i don't really honestly have much to say other than like i feel like i've said my piece do you have anything else that you No. again solid performance just yeah i wanted more for the character i wanted more for the character okay um let's talk about carol kane in hester street aka uh ma from the adams family (laughs) yes yeah which is I'm going to say if she's a character actress and she enjoys, or she's also Lillian from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, clearly she likes to play these kind of witchy, kooky, mm-hmm. like, um, kind of Bugged characters. Out characters, yeah. I've never seen Hester Street, but um, in, 19, in 1896, a Russian Jewish woman immigrates to New York's Lower East Side to reunite with her Americanized husband, but has difficulty assimilating. Her name is Gittel. And she speaks Yiddish, which I don't know if she spoke Yiddish before she learned that role, but that's very difficult to have to act oh, yeah, sure. in Yiddish and also in English. So you get brownie points for that. For sure, yeah. But I'll tell you, when she came into the movie, all I saw was that damn wig on her head. <laughs> yes. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. It was like a croissant of bangs. Uh-huh. Like, not unlike a Dr. Quinn medicine woman type of haircut, but even, like, it was almost like working girl, like Joan Cusack with the huge bangs. But then 
there was even more in the back, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like lifted. And I was like, it was so distracting. All I could, or like that musical Hedvig and the angry inch. It was yeah, like yeah. just this big, it was so distracting to me. And it's such an important part of the story in the <laughs> beginning <laughs> too, which I wig. had no idea it would be. I, I can't even remember. I yeah. just wrote that wig, period. <laughs> and Yeah, it's like, you know, all of Popeye's girlfriend is as if she popped off her hair and dropped it on a short Jewish woman. Right? <laughs> yeah. When she puts the scarf on her head, though, mm. I wrote the croissant of bangs, but then she'd put a scarf on her head and it would be completely flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where did the croissant go? Well, that's all the wig, right? Yeah. Because she made some allusion to the fact that she can't show her real hair. So the wig is like her version of a yarmulke, I guess, right? Like, Wait, so it actually was a wig or that no, was No, yeah, yeah. That, that it's, it's a religious <laughs> device. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the impression she gave. I th- because then she Because that's why she didn't it. want to take it off. Cause, and he's like, no, no, all the girls do it here. Don't worry about it. He's not wearing his yarmulke. The only time he has a yarmulke on, I think, is when he goes to get divorced and the guy... The, you know, the uh, rabbi's wife essentially just slaps it right on his head. Right. <laughs> yeah. but I, no, no, no. That, but that was her hair. Like the character's hair. Because underneath, at one point she changes it to blonde and it becomes more curly. Well, I think that's what's underneath the wig. That wig you're looking at is a wig. Like oh that God. is so her am I, am, I, am I being very offensive right <laughs> <No>. now? <laughs> am I canceled? Did no, I just I cancel so myself? This was all new to me too. I didn't know any of this from the Jewish tradition that they are. That's why the, often you see them have their hair covered. But the wig thing, I, I had no idea about. I <laughs> yeah. I assumed that was the character's hair, and I was like, "Girl, it was so distracting <laughs> because she eventually." Changes it to something more American. Yeah, she finally relents and says, "Okay, I'll try and look." Well, she does it twice, really. Well, let me tell you, honey, that wig was time. doing nothing for her. How about that? I will, well, I I will die on that, that one. Yeah. I guess I'm canceled, but it was doing nothing for you, honey. Yeah, yeah. But then, then she she does the the blonde and the curls and stuff like that, and she's uh, she's very she's very striking. Uh, she's like kind of spooky, which yeah, the like eyes. we the all love really the spooky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no one, no one's mad at like Jenna Ortega, very very famous, right? Same. She's spooky, yeah. you know. Um, and I love that kind of spooky beauty, and she she doesn't disappoint in that yeah, department. Yeah. But this is a performance that is so subtle. Uh, but effective because she, I mean, it's what, 1896 and mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. a Russian Jewish immigrant. So obviously she's like, I will listen to what the man says. I yeah, yeah. only have so many rights. I um, am, oh, I know what my place is. And she has to work within those parameters. Yeah. And she does it in such a, like you have such um, empathy for her character. You, you know, it's, I wouldn't, it, it's not a very, like, what's the word? Like, it's not like there's these big climactic scenes or anything like that. It's not like this crazy plot. But it's interesting because it, I'm assuming, is historically accurate to the time. And I think it's trying very hard to be. You know, yeah, like, this was the immigrant experience, you know, that kind of battle between religion and assimilating yep. with your new world. and Obviously a little low budget. Yeah, yeah. And the roommate is kind of like a token of the past, you know what I mean? Because he is so you know, dutiful about his religious studies and he's trying to keep the traditions alive while her husband was fucking, you know, bagging dancers and shit yep. like this and really becoming American. No offense to the Americans, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, like she said, she does have a haunting beauty. I think that's where that term comes from, haunting yes, beauty. It's, it's her. Because you see her when you close your eyes. You know yeah, what I mean? a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little but, bit. Yeah, but like she was, like you said, very effective with um, 
again, the, the, the posts in the movie aren't maybe so noticeable, but like the first time you see her and she's coming off, you know, Ellis Island and like this weird, awkward reunion with your husband. She's clearly like been dreaming about him on the month line or month long ride over or whatever the hell. With a child, by the way. Uh, with a child. Yeah. By herself. And then he's just like shoves her in the bedroom and is like, hey, peace. I'm going out before the door even closes. He's already got the jacket on. He's yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that little whimper. And then, yeah, not, not even be able to walk out the door into the kitchen. Because there's an unmarried man there that you don't know. So she has to read all these. Like, yeah, she did a lot with, um, yeah, a very little, you know. Because the posts are kind of small. Like, there is a couple of moments where she tries to please, um, what's his real name? Uh, Yenkel? <laughs> but he goes by Jake. I love the, I love the Yiddish language so much. Um, um, a couple of moments that I didn't understand. Because the first time she dresses up for him. Um, he doesn't show up from work. Like he, like he's out clearly out partying, so she rips it all off. And then another time, and you're like, "Oh, great! She's finally coming around. Things are going to get better." And then he freaks out on her. I know. <laughs> like I was just Makes like, "What no are you sense. talking about? What this, do you want?" This is yeah, yeah. That's so. I was right with her. Like I, I never felt more attached to her than any point than in that film. But like right there, I was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah sister, I'm on your side. Fuck this." Cl- well, exactly, and I just—that's what makes her performance so effective because she doesn't have any of these big moments. There isn't much, you know. It's just the little glances with the, you know, the the roommate too. You can kind of, if you're really paying attention, see that starting to bud pretty early on too. Like there's a couple moments where he's kind of reaching across the table without reaching and trying to comfort her. It's like that weird 1896 flirting, you know. Every like every little thing is a. It's a flirtation, right? The temptations of the flesh, but oh, of course, she, I, she again, she does it with a, a, a you know, wink and a nod, pretty well, you know. The, the I read this um, on Wikipedia, and I know, wow, what an amazing source, <laughs> but. Um, this, I think, is kind of the best way of putting it, is Carol Kane's lead character posed a still provocative synthesis as she discovers her own self-assertion on behalf of her right to maintain a traditional identity in an aggressively modern setting. Because she does kind of assimilate in a way, but still honoring her traditional sensibilities because, I mean, doesn't she end up with that orthodox guy at the end? Uh, yeah, she goes, but immediately the, after the What did divorce. you think about the end of the movie there when she, right after the divorce, she's like, oh, this is your boy, Yosel, and she's like, no, it's Joey. And you're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> just like, what, what changed, right? There's something changed in that moment between she, her getting divorced and that question, I was just like, what just happened? I thought Did you was... realize the error of your ways? Or No, I thought it's just that she's just honoring her beliefs and her traditions. And she's mm-hmm. like, this is the lifestyle that I want because I tried to adjust to this guy who was having an affair with me and making that work and <laughs> didn't. Um, mm-hmm. and but I... why then relent to your husband who you just divorced by calling your baby Joey when that's not his name? Right at the end of the movie, she says to the, the rabbi, no, it's Joey. Call him Joey, which is what the the husband kept wanting to do. He's like, don't call him because he's not going to fit in. All this stuff. He's, he's oh. teaching him English. And oh, like I don't. That. I don't know. It was such an interesting little turn there too, and you can see her act it. But I have to say, I, I wasn't quite on the same page as her. But you can see her go through something. There's a weird moment she has right at the end of the film. Right. I couldn't quite put my finger on. I vaguely, <laughs> yeah. I vaguely. This was actually the first yeah. movie that I watched, and, I, and so I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I don't, mm. I don't remember. But okay, couple, couple things. So the picture, this picture had trouble getting distributed. Uh, the movie was considered 
Two specialists mainly of interest to a niche market of only audiences of Jewish ethnicity and without any mass or general appeal. In the end, filmmakers decided to distribute the movie themselves. And it was a very big success. Despite the success of this film, and even uh, with both a Writers Guild Best Screenplay nomination for writer-director Joan Micklin Silver and an Academy Award Best Actress Oscar nomination for Carol Kane, major Hollywood studios still refused to back the director's subsequent film projects. Well, I mean, sexism in Hollywood? What? We've never heard of that before. Anti-Semitism? What the hell? What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, But I I don't know. Maybe um, whenever she does decide to correct the name of the Mm -hmm. son to, to Joey... Maybe it's because it's on her terms. I guess, yeah, maybe that is it. Because like the breakdown said, there is a certain thing about her. It is partly about assimilating or not, but it's also about her, yeah, like asserting herself for the first time in her life, presumably. Because I I assume that's a pretty, again, forward thought. Because I was even a little surprised that there was a divorce in this. You know, I mean, I don't think Catholics were granting too many divorces at the time. So I was a little surprised to see that she managed to get one. And she even got... Um, paid, didn't she? <laughs> like three years. And what's that? Okay, that I didn't understand too. Because the lawyer comes in, he's like, all right, $25, I give you, we get divorced. And then it's 50 then 100 And then later in the film, uh, the mistress says, uh, we have no money. Uh, your your ex-wife took 300 bucks." I'm like, did she keep negotiating? Or did that lawyer rip off the couple for $200 and gave 100 Right. Yeah, he knew the budget, so he said he gave her 300 but kept two. Like, Probably. I was like, that's a weird little side note you're putting in there. Because in the scene, they only get up to 100 But she does kind of throw him a dirty look, so I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't... Just, yeah. That was a weird moment. But again, I was very kind of compelled by the film, which I can see why you would... Yeah, distribution might be a little... It's it's a pretty dry film. Yeah, there's again, not really a lot going on. Again, much like, yeah, yeah, Glenda's film there, there's not a lot of movement. A lot of it happens in an incredibly small apartment. But I really connected to that, too. And she's a big part of it, of... Like, you really like, oh, yeah, these people were sharing, like, a family yeah. and one room yeah. in a tiny two-bedroom? Or was the neighbor sleeping w- in the in the kitchen? I, I couldn't ever tell. I think it was in the tub. <laughs> it was like, there was <laughs> no room. No, yeah, and Doris Roberts, too, like, out of nowhere. <laughs> She's just like, right. you're just like, I've never seen you in anything, but everybody loves Raymond. So that was a bit of a trip, but she was fantastic. And you can see her theater roots, I could have seen her getting a Best Supporting Actress nomination for that. Yeah. Wonder, because every time she came in to kind of help her... Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like blessed because I don't understand the anger towards <laughs> Carol Kane's character because she's the most like harmless. And at one point, even um, yeah, yeah. Everybody Loves Raven's mom is literally like, sorry, what's her name? Doris Roberts. Is Doris Roberts. Doris Roberts is literally like to the abusive husband. He's like, you are so lucky to have her. Mm-hmm. This place is so clean. All she says is yes. She does everything for you, and you treat her. And I'm glad that he got called out yeah, yeah. Um, in, in that sort of way because it's like... He, because you, like, I feel like in the 1970s, it's like men could be total douchebags in movies as like oh, yeah. a fantasy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and people would just be like, be like, yeah. And if women were like that, mm-hmm. it would be like your nurse ratchet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, it was the middle of the, uh, the end of sort of the 50s, 60s, the men rule all. And then the sexual revolution. But then, yeah, it, was just, it didn't really extend to women all that well. No. <laughs> I think they're going to change. Not for you, but yeah, for the for, rest of us. us. <laughs> yeah, right. And so um, Carol Kane in this movie, I it is a it is a subtle 
but very effective performance. I I I felt very bad for her character uh, when I had to, and um, I thought she was also just like just like really cute. Well, she has big puppy dog eyes. She yeah. really give her a hell of an advantage in this because she is constantly being whipped like a fucking rented mule in this thing. You know? Yeah, totally. Just gets no love, no gratitude whatsoever. Yeah, does so, the hardest thing on earth. So it's compelling. It really is, and it's a tough. She also got a new hairdo too. eventually. Yeah, yeah, got rid of that goddamn wig. Yeah, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. And a blonde too. She gets gets a little divorce. Yeah, yeah, she has a happy ending. I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, she has a happy ending. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, hmm. do you have anything else that you want to add to Carol Kane's performance? Oh, bravo. Bravo. Um, also, another kind. I really it could have won this Oscar as well. You know. Yeah. Again. Very yes. good job. I think Anne and Anne Margaret, Carol Kane. I could see an argument. The only. One it's just Glenda Jackson, bye girl. Well, and again, you're kind of, it's almost a Tom Hanks problem, too. Like on his third in a row nomination, you're just like, yeah, okay. We've yeah, we're here. We're, we're, we're good. Yeah, you're yeah. good. <laughs> you got two, bro. Yeah. It's like Hillary Swank after Million Dollar Baby. They're like, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. did it, girl. <laughs> you bit your tongue off and died. <laughs> you're still dead, right? All right. Hey, Best Actress listeners. Enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies. It's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Let's talk about Isabel Adjani in the story of Adele H., uh, last name Hugo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story of Adele Hugo's unrequited love for a lieutenant. This is, and they need to make this so clear based on a true story. I think yeah. they mentioned it like five times. Well, I mean, because if you didn't know that going in, you would assume no chance in hell this is real. Yeah, because this bitch is too insane. Wild, right? <laughs> too incredible. Um, first of all, Isabella Johnny is stunning. She oh, yeah. is the most beautiful actress I've ever seen. I should have looked this up, but what age is she playing in the film? Because she looks 15, 16. Well, fun fact, uh, Isabella Johnny was only 20 years old when she was Oscar nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for this movie. She became the youngest ever nominated in a lead category at the time. It has since been surpassed by Quivangene Wallace for Beast of the Southern Wild. She was nine or ten, a record which would stand for the next 27 years until Keisha... Castle Hughes was Oscar nominated in the same category for Whale Rider. Um, And Keisha Castle Hughes was... 12, which, have you seen Whale Rider? Uh, yes, many years oh, ago. Oh my god, yeah, so good. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so good. Um, so this movie was originally planned as a grand st- scale spectacular drama with Jean Moreau to play the lead, then Catherine Deneuve, then having an affair with François Truffaut, was considered for the role. The film took seven years to be made, and finally Truffaut decided that Isabelle Adjani, whom he knows on a TV broadcast of the Comédie Française. So, oh, she she can <laughs> she can do comedy. Well, that, yeah, that couldn't have been the deciding factor for this movie. <laughs> not a lot of laughs in there. Well, this was filmed in Halifax, and I have done <laughs> was the it really? comedy okay. festival. I would kept trying to tell if they were faking it or not. I don't okay. know if it actually was, but I the the film took place in. Yeah, I didn't see anything Halifax. I recognized. I'll say that. Um. Okay. So 
she was also nominated uh, a second time in the 80s uh, for Camille Claudel, which was the year that um, Jessica Tandy won for Driving Miss Daisy. And that was the first time that I saw Isabella Johnny, and I fucking loved her mm-hmm. in that movie. And if you like French movies, check that out. Um, I am a big fan of foreign language films, and Isabella Johnny is kind of my new Sophia Loren, <laughs> where it's like I don't—I've never really seen the movies, and then I kind of like fall in love with them. Oh, They're sure, like little yeah, gems. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with her right <laughs> yeah, now. Well, I mean, she's absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning, yeah. and very, and such a such a good. The actress. performance is wonderful. Yes, she she is one of the few characters in this year and of these nominees that actually has a full journey. Oh yeah, where you see her at the beginning and she. She seems like she has all of her marbles. And then at the end, she's like wandering her streets with her, you know, uh, ripped up cape. Which, by the way, I love that she's wearing a cape. (laughs) Everything should call for a cape. (laughs) Sure, yeah, yeah. And she's making no sense in Barbados. And then this like woman from Barbados is like, girl, we got to get you home. And she like takes her home. (laughs) And uses that as to a free ride to Europe. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. I love this woman. You know, um, and she literally is insane. She has traveled across Mm -hmm. from Europe to stalk the life out of this lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Pinson. a lieutenant, right? A lieutenant <laughs> yeah, yeah. who is also handsome as fuck. Well, I mean, could they have uh, casted a more handsome guy? Like, Ugh, I would have moved this across the city In a world where everybody him. looks like a hobo off a train. <laughs> yes. you know, this is the period we're talking about. This guy is like just drop dead gorgeous. Absolutely. Drop dead gorgeous. And they, if they had kids, they would be they would be too pretty. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. They too put pretty. Angelina and Brad Pitt to shame. I tell. <laughs> they would? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she shows up unannounced and then she starts like sending him little notes. Then she starts stalking his life. Then she starts like paying prostitutes to like have sex with him as a gift. Yeah. Then she starts showing up at his work, giving him money and pretending that she's yeah. pregnant. Like it is... So crazy. At anyway, that point, too, I, I was like, dude, take the deal. Yeah. <laughs> take the deal, bro. She's, she's gorgeous. She's saying you can do whatever the fuck you want. What's and wrong she's with you? She's yeah. rich and she's famous. Yeah, I mean. What, it, what, what was the hesitation? I don't understand. I mean, yeah, there's a million red flags. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. bro, anything. But I mean, she's French. I mean, all my family's French. They're all crazy. We're, <laughs> I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, But literally, oh my God. Just... What you don't really see roles for women like this unless it's like fatal attraction. Yeah. Or, or it had to be a true story. As ridiculous as it is, that's the only <laughs> way this gets made because true. some crazy ass bitch went all the way from Guernsey, England, was it? <laughs> to something. Halifax, Nova Scotia to the Barbados following one guy. One guy. She doesn't even recognize him at the end. No, no. That's yeah. how fucking crazy she becomes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a stunning performance, and it, I I thought it was pretty great too. In the way it it really does kind of it happens slowly, you know. You can see it happen. It's not you know jilted in any way. Like she's a very optimistic lover at the beginning of the film. I can't remember the line from her, her journal that they keep quoting, but oh how romantic a journey, you know, to go find your lover. Like she's almost like a a victim of romance, you know, perhaps it's because her dad's the most famous poet in all of Italy that right. she kind of grew up with this entitled and sort of overly romantic version of the world and then, you know, gets on a boat and realizes that's not how the world works at all. It's not a poetry. And, like, the the writing scenes, which were so fascinating because they kept going back to her just scribbling and scribbling and scribbling, which could very easily get tired, you know what I mean? Because, I mean... This movie's almost two hours long, and about 45 minutes of it is her just sitting in her bed, uh, scribbling down her diary, which at some point I'm like, is she putting together a book? Is this 
Because it, it starts with love letters and then uh, letters to her father and then just almost letters to herself. I think one point to her sister because she was talking about it. She dies. What just happened? She, but yeah, yeah. And then she's trying to like raise her from the dead at one point. And, but what I loved about that is you could see every time she went to the pad, she was a little bit different and a little bit worse. Yeah. It's just like, just almost like repainting a wall over and over again. You don't notice it at first, but once you, <laughs> right. Once you kind of look at it from a different angle, you get to see all the layers, <laughs> every yeah. different color. And it was just kind of fascinating to watch her because it could easily get tired it could easily get stale you know but it kept she like kept driving well the film really well yeah 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 I no absolutely great. and i think that you're so right in saying because like her father um victor hugo who was the writer of les miserables yes <laughs> yeah. and so yeah when i also got that vibe too where it's like you must have as the daughter of him must have this insanely warped sense yeah, yeah. of and you must believe in romance to the point yeah. where you would follow somebody across the world and, and he gets even exiled from his country in the name of the love of his country like right. she must have such a tainted idea of like what passion and life and yes. what, what are worthy pursuits you know what I mean and yes then she very much gets confronted with reality you know what I mean 100% <laughs> she and, can't overcome and I think that for somebody of her age and to be able to give this performance like what it needed, I think takes a considerable amount of skill. Also, she it just has those movie star good looks. Like she's just such a star. Mm-hmm. It's oh, she's yeah. so captivating and just um I wouldn't necessarily say femme fatale because she wasn't like no, she's threatening not exactly. Bunny boiling or but if she switched <laughs> exactly right. But if she if she switched into that, you'd be like, okay, I'm in. Yes, like yeah. I just, wherever it is that she's going, like, I'm there with her. And uh, I I really love the way that she played the character. Um, I really love the way that um, she even at one point offered to pay his debts, like his oh, gambling yeah, yeah, debt. Yeah. And he was like, no, blah, get <laughs> yeah, your yeah. disgusting tits away, your disgusting perfect tits away from me. Like, yeah. it was just like, what do you want? Like, yeah. I that was the only thing I didn't understand. Why didn't he like her? I think it, it, he's just like he's almost. I mean, he's the antagonist in the film, obviously, because he's just taking advantage of her, like all the other women, you know. Because he's not really with any one woman in that film. He's just going from woman to woman to woman. Because he's, he's just so a playboy, looking. yeah, yeah. And he yeah. took advantage of her clearly in Guernsey and of her youth. Because that's why. Because I, I got the impression from her performance that she was like, you know, because people are getting married at seventeen, eighteen, maybe younger. That. That, that was her first taste of love and that she was so drunk with it. Yeah. And that's why the parents were like, no, you can't go here. You mustn't marry this man. Like, you don't know what you're speaking about. <laughs> like, like nobody should marry the first love. <laughs> you know, kind of like, anyways. Imagine your first yeah. love sends you to the loony bin for the rest of your life. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. Because that's what happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. She died in 1915. 1915. At 85. 85. Can you believe that? Yeah. But she stayed in that institution for the rest of her life. That was an institution. Yes. When the guy was like, well, I have a place you can go free. (laughs) And that's how she became Nurse Ratchet. Oh. (laughs) But I didn't see bars in the world. But then that woman tried to steal from her suitcase. And I was just like, I think this is a crazy house. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just a really shitty boarding home. I can't tell. That, right. Or was it, I don't know. Or was it just a shelter? Well, yeah, the, uh, the impression was sanatorium. Probably. Yeah, yeah. And then um, she, 
The only thing that they didn't really explain was just that she followed him to Barbados when he got stationed there, but they didn't mm-hmm. really show that journey. But I think at that point she didn't have any more money. So I would have yeah, yeah. maybe liked to have seen like where that came from. But at that point she was just talking to herself and like, remember that guy, the librarian that like tried to be all like nice to her. And yeah, then yeah. she like, I thought that might be a love interest at one point. Me no. too. But I love how much she hated him. Cause oh, yeah, it was yeah. like, why? Like, how dare you show me my father's book? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I just, I, I really, really loved this character. I loved this movie. I loved, um, how they were going in and out of French and English. Um, yes. I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Why did she tell the little boy in the bank her name was Leopoldine or whatever her, her dead sister's name was? Because I was like, oh, is she a split? Is she a split personality? And then she came back after reading a letter. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I have to apologize. My real name is. I don't know. Like, this is such an odd moment. I can't <laughs> I remember. Because like, for a minute there, I was like, oh, here we go. Now we're starting to see some crazy. Right. The sister never existed. Right. But then you find out later. It must have because that's how the old man identified her. Be like, wait a minute, how this has to be the Hugo daughter because Leopoldine drowned in a pond. It all adds up, right? Uh, it's just like, so the oh, so the sister is real. <laughs> I think the answer lies with your previous question about Carol Kane at the end and naming her son. So if you can answer that question, you can also answer this question. It's, good. it's, it's the yeah. same. There's a conspiracy theory. But going. compelling nonetheless. Yeah, Compel- the fact that I'm adding, asking these questions and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? It's, it's a great sign. Yeah. It's like, it's not, not a lot of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of weird questions. But uh, Isabel Adjani in uh, the story of Adele H. If y'all have not seen that movie, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. Are we good? I think so. I think, yeah. Can't say much more about her. Okay. Um, uh, stunning. That is the last thing I was like, just serving so much yeah, face. Like, just gorgeous. I had to Google her just to see how well she aged. Yeah. She, oh, did, great. she did great. Very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> I did too. I, did. I was like, curious. I had never heard of her. That was my first with her. I was just like, my God. She yeah. looks like Anna de Armas. Yeah. It's just like in an earlier form. Absolutely. It's like stunning. Absolutely. Weirdly French as well. It's so true. Uh, okay. Let's talk about our winner, Louise Fletcher, for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So very quickly, if anybody has never seen this movie, in the fall of 1963, a Korean War veteran and criminal pleads insanity and is admitted to a mental institution where he rallies up scared patients against the tyrannical nurse, Louise Fletcher, a.k.a. Nurse Ratchet. She, as I mentioned off the top of the episode, is regarded as one of the greatest movie villains of all time and i'm just going to start by saying if it was played by a man i don't think that she would be regarded as that because i've seen this movie before yes and it is perhaps one of the most emotionless academy award wins i have ever seen because she just simply speaks in a monotonous sort of way Mm -hmm. and where the success of the performance comes in is the subtext because it's about control and her way and 
being apathetic towards things that she should be more upset about. Like whenever what's his face kills himself at the end. Uh, And she's like, let's just go back to our regular routine because it's Mm -hmm. her way of having control. I don't really see that as evil or villainous. Mm -hmm. I see that as she just has really bad obsessive compulsive disorder because I work with a lot of comedy club owners where if you do one little thing out of step, you know, it's like they freak the fuck out. And I'm like, Okay, I'm so used to people like this in my life that, yeah. and honestly, if I feel like if it was a woman that owned these comedy clubs, nobody would ever want to work with her. And I feel like for this time in history, people were like, oh my gosh, she's so cold. She's so evil. She's so this. I'm like, actually, like... Jack Nicholson in this movie is such a fucking asshole and he literally <laughs> yeah, yeah. does not give a shit. He breaks the law. He's a literal a criminal. Yeah, yeah. He's like lying about his mental health state so that he doesn't have to go to jail. Yeah. He literally, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say kidnaps, but he like, what would you say? Um, steals. with? <laughs> yeah, like he, he takes mental patients yeah, yeah. and he like. I mean, they he, technically go themselves, but he had to break out of Like anyway, it's just uh, sort of Grand like, Theft Auto in there, I believe. You yeah. know, like. Twice with a boat. I, in my, It's like Louise Fletcher's nurse ratchet. It's one could argue she's just doing her job. And then it's like, that's what makes the character so scary because it's it's about what she's not saying. It's yeah, yeah. about like whenever she puts the uh, turning on the baseball game to a vote, mm-hmm. but then uh, the meeting is over whenever he gets Jack Nicholson to get the majority vote. Well, uh, the meeting was adjourned, so it doesn't count. And it's just sort of like, is that really that evil? Or is she really just trying to create order in a fucking mental institution? Exactly. Sorry. Yeah, I just, no. I don't see how she's that evil. I really don't. Honestly, I um, I have to agree with you on that point. Oh, thank that. you. I'm glad you do. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, both points, really, in that uh, the, the real magic of her performance is the subtlety. It's what's happening in between the lines. It's that, like, I literally got to the point where I was counting her blinks. Right. Because she is so unwaveringly stoic in so many moments in this film. And you're like, say, she has a rigidity, obviously, that, that sort of earns her the reputation that she has. But you, like you said, um, that's how you have to treat people of this yeah. nature. You know, they need very rigid guidelines and like schedules that she makes so clear to Jack Nicholson in the film when it comes up to the baseball vote and that routine is of the absolute. Um, premium you know because they this they don't understand the world when you know changes chaos to a lot of these people you know so i feel like in a lot of ways that she's misjudged because it's um it's really jack who is kind of the antagonist in this film yeah and he's making her into the the bad guy like you're kind of like you're falling in love with the wrong person in this film. Like that's the really the beauty of it is is that Nurse Ratchet really isn't the obstacle in this thing. Like he brought himself into this world of his own volition. <laughs> Everything that happens to him is a, a course of his own action. At no point in the film, outside of you know, um, you know, when sending bre- him away for breaking the rules, does Nurse Ratchet ever do anything? Uh, I would say she, only once do I see her gaslight somebody in this film, and that's when she um, gives. I'm going to call your mom. Yes, I'm Billy. I was going to say that's the only evil action I think you can really point to in this and be like, okay, that was a that was a bitch thing to do. Like, 100%. you know the effect that's going to have on him. Yeah, and now you pay the consequences. Yes. He just go stabs himself. But other than that, 
I think she's actually because she even says at the the meeting with the the head of the the hospital. I want to help this guy. I think by sending him back to the work form will actually be worse, not only for him but for all of us. And when she said that, I honestly believed her. I, I don't think she was saying that so she could keep uh, Randall to torture him. I I don't really think so at all. He accidentally caused himself to be put in this position the whole time, thinking that he was going to be out in sixty eight days or whatever. He, he right, didn't understand yeah. how the system works. Yeah, like it's him over and over and over again punishing himself. Yeah, not Nurse Ratchet. Like yeah. I would say that the protagonist in this sense in this movie is actually like the sense of freedom because that's what the whole thing is about. Is that he's here to sort of uh, have an easier path to freedom. He thinks he's going to have a better life here. Like all these, like the, the realization that 80% of the people in the hospital are all here by choice, are all looking for a, like a better life. Like the movie literally starts on a, um, like a, a lake tucked into mountains, you hear an eagle scream. Like it's the picture oh, of yeah, like right, peace right, and right. perfection and slowly floats into the hospital where all the patients are sleeping quietly. And then literally the next thing you see is Nurse Rancher walking in with a big red light over her head, like literally saying the fun stops here. It's like you're being hypnotized into believing this person is some sort of monster when the reality is the only monster in the room is Jack Nicholson. He is. <laughs> he it, does it, everything to himself except for maybe the very end where she does cause Billy to fucking kill himself right. that's kind of on her and then he finally snaps for real and tries to choke her to death yeah <laughs> which by the way maybe the best choking scene i've ever seen yeah. in my life <laughs> it was like, pretty intense she's hella good at being choked yeah and it's funny because whenever i whenever i i thought the same thing like whenever he is no longer stuttering mm -hmm. and then she says i'm gonna tell your mom and then he starts stuttering again that that was really the only part where i'm like okay, that was actually fucked up that was cruel because yeah. when you are trying to maintain order in a mental institution especially during this time when let's be honest mental illness education at the time like really wasn't that great it's like again like she, it's kind of a product of its time mm -hmm. the only time that w that the the patients were being treated very poorly was whenever they come in after the big party night and like the um attendants were like waking up the patients like like police brutality almost a and, little bit yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. just kind of like whoa 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 like calm down like these yeah, yeah, yeah. these are old men like yeah. you need to <laughs> yeah. so there were definitely moments yeah, where sure. you're like that's fucked well but, the institution itself is kind of cruel but they didn't know much better at the time 100 yeah. percent. but but then but then uh Whenever you, because it's like, yeah, it's like Jack Nicholson and, and Nurse Ratchet, they are supposed to represent opposites. Mm -hmm, so it's 100%. like the way that they play against each other. But it's like, do you just walk into an office on your first fucking day and just go, guys, I decide that lunch is at 4 p.m. now. We're going to start the day at noon and we're going to yeah, go yeah, home yeah, yeah. at uh, at 8. What do you say? Hands up. And then it's like, obviously, the fucking manager is going to be like, no. And then yeah. you'd be like, fuck this cunt. It's like, you, you, you can't just show up yeah, and yeah. be like, let's just change the schedule of everything it's like anyway mm -hmm. okay she's like the original karen but what makes a karen yeah exactly <laughs> karen aren't born karen they get there somehow yeah you know? right i i just yeah. i uh she has I, stresses and he pushed all the wrong buttons man i had to watch i had to i literally had to watch videos explaining why she's a villain i'd love to read those frankly because i'd like to argue the opposite <laughs> I, I and then they were like oh it's 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 a, it's not about what she does it's about what she doesn't do and i'm kind of like couldn't you also read i mean you can in do another that. way <laughs> sure, yeah, where I mean. it's like she literally is just like honey 
She's yeah, like, yeah. I'm on food stamps. I got two kids at home. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> no. This is just a job. For, she's you got know? a senior position. That, you know, she's kind of a successful woman, obviously. Yeah. Especially at the time, too. This at is the like time. a very respectable position. Like she's gotten to about as high of her as her career as she can get without being a doctor, which obviously they weren't lot, letting a lot of women be doctors back then. So right. she's killing it, you know, in a lot of ways. And like again, if you can point to the moments where she's actually cruel to people outside of Billy, this one instant. Like I was gonna say, if, who if you were gonna point, who is the light, who is the dark? This I think you have to really take a long, hard look at Jack. He's he's the one constantly stirring the pot. You he know? pokes everything the bear. was fine until yeah. he got there. He, and he all he kept doing was breaking the rules in the name of freedom, in the name of life, and all this. But then all he was doing was kind of causing chaos. Yeah, he's know? a shit disturber. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jack Nicholson took a percentage of the profits in lieu of a small salary for a modestly budgeted film. The move actually paid off when the picture went up to gross over $120 million. In later interviews, Louise Fletcher said that she found ways to make her character human, yet remain unsympathetic, ultimately deciding that Nurse Ratchet actually did care about the patients and felt that she was doing what was best for them, which frankly, that's how I read it, but was ultimately misguided and drunk on her own power. Louise Fletcher was so upset with the fact that the other cast members could laugh and be happy while she had to be so cold and heartless that near the end of production, she removed her dress and stood in only her panties to prove to her cast members that she was not a, quote, cold-hearted monster. Wow. Just imagine out of context, yeah, just standing in, like, like yeah. granny panties, just like, oh, yeah. sorry, I've been drinking. Which kind of shows you what kind of ensemble cast they were. <laughs> literally lost, uh, like... Uh, sense of who she was as a person. Uh, she's like, I'm literally going to show you who I am. <laughs> I'm not this woman, I swear to you. I swear. Um, this is the second of only three movies other than... Uh, okay, so this is... Well, well, we're going to start this again. Second of only three movies, the other two being It Happened One Night from 1934 and The Silence of the Lambs to win every major Academy Award, Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Screenplay, Adapted or Original. Director Milos Forman relied heavily on the reaction shots to pull more characters into scenes. In some group therapy scenes, there were 10 minutes of Jack Nicholson's reactions filmed, even if he had very little dialogue. The shot of Louise Fletcher looking icily at Nicholson after he returns from shock therapy was actually her irritated reaction to to a piece of direction from Foreman. And he kept it. An hour... Oh, oh my God. No, I wrote this down as a question to myself. I wrote, one hour, 14 minutes into movie. Quote, am I crazy or is she just doing her job? Question mark. <laughs> it seems like he's lying to not be in prison. So she's just playing along with his little game. He's mm-hmm. the criminal. Well, and- here's a moment that stuck with me too. To kind of, again, go to our point. Uh, when he gets um, the news from uh, one of the orderlies that, bro, like the 68 days, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you still haven't figured out where you are, the guy says. And he realizes, oh, shit, I've been shitting on the person that has the rubber stamp that says whether I get to come or come. And he, uh, he puts up his hand at discussion and says, yeah, I want to know why these guys, not one of them told me that you are the person that gets to decide my future. They just let me light you up <laughs> knowing it's, that I was screwing my future. Faults, right? First of all, yeah, it was his idea. He took money. He took wagers on them. And he's obviously not an idiot. <laughs> you know I mean? Right. You can walk into this some power structure and figure out who's running the show here. Like Again, like I feel like, and maybe this wasn't the intention of Milo's uh, foreman, but 
I feel like the whole thing is very manipulated to kind of give you the idea that she is this monster. But I guess maybe that's how they were trying to paint her. But I just don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. Um, Also, um, Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito are in this fucking movie. Mr. Harding, the weird, like, totally normal looking guy. The guy from Goonies who's in it, too. He just sits there a couple times. You're like, I know you. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Christopher Lloyd is on fire. Danny DeVito looks like a whole different person. I couldn't even tell it was him. No, the ensemble, like, the ensemble cast is so brilliant in this film. At the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, actually, um, Louise Fletcher was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I can get there. Yeah, I I can see that. that. Although I also could argue for a lead. It's such a big cast. Again, what makes the film interesting is, much like the other films, there's not a lot of different set pieces in this. It's pretty much one spot. Right. you don't notice it as much. You don't feel it as much in this movie, and uh, well, because you're think just that's like, what are these people going to do? Swept to the like the Oscars and stuff because it's just so good. Like as good as these other films are, I feel like everything it's doing is doing uh, without very rough edges. You know, everything's uh, the curves and uh, is subtlety in between the lines. Like it's just so masterfully done that when I watch all these movies over again, the one that holds up the best by far is this one. Like, yeah, you could show this movie again today, and the themes and the and all, uh, everything, even this argument, you can 100%. still have this argument yes. to this day because everything is just sort of there, but left to your interpretation. Nothing's oversaid, nothing's underexplained. It's just friggin' brilliant and much like there is great symbolism in it but in a much more again much more subtler way than say Tommy for example like right. I really felt like that red light the one at the end of the hallway is it's like spooky. it's such an important set piece in this thing because it's literally like <laughs> it's a red light and it all stops here and then as soon as he walks through that door he doesn't realize what he's given up Jack Nicholson Randall McMurray or whatever his name McMurphy yeah and whenever like uh, they're so angry at her for being upset whenever she comes in and the place is trashed. Mm-hmm. What the hell do you think she was going to say? Like, no problem. Yeah, like, yeah. And just the way she shows her rage in there, too. Like, it's almost like watching a pot about to boil over and then just she just snaps the lid on it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, again, you really have to be paying attention to see it. But, like, because, again, she looks super stoic. Like, how do you show all these emotions within such a slight margin? And... She does it very, very well. I think that's why the part is so lauded. That's why she gets Best Actress nomination instead of maybe supporting, which is maybe a little more appropriate. Because let's be honest, there's not a performance in this film by anyone that isn't, you know, virtually spot on. Like everything from the orderlies to even the friggin' guys and the Mr. Martini or the really big guy that yeah, never the big speaks, guy, yeah. but, or not even Chief, but I mean the guy that. Um, I guess that's a bad description. They he literally gets on the old Jewish guy's shoulders to teach Chief how to dunk a basketball. Like right. everybody is like, even when they're not on film, when they're not saying any words, everybody's like a hundred percent into their character. Like watching Devito, not like work without lines in this. Christopher Lloyd work without lines. It was fantastic. Really well done. Everybody was on point. I feel like because I watch like Girl Interrupted all the time, mm-hmm. and I that's one of my favorite movies, and I'm kind of like. Okay, I can kind of see what they were trying to do after seeing a movie like this, except it doesn't quite have that same 
social commentary because it, I think it was set in the 50s, Girl Interrupted, and then this is set in like 1963. 63, I think, so, yeah. So then it's like, I get what they were maybe trying to do, but it, I think that this was more of how patients were being treated, like mid-century and how yeah, yeah. poorly they were being treated and that they weren't being cared, cared for. Um, but then you also kind of have to be like, well, that was just what they thought was sure, the sure, thing yeah, to yeah. so it's like I kind of enjoy that aspect of it where they're not necessarily I don't really think yeah. they're presenting it in like an evil way no they're it's not really social commentary and like oh look what vicious people they use to be yeah like, it's just, never this is just in the same way they don't present Nurse Ratchet that way they don't present these doctors as the Neanderthals just scraping your brains for the fun of it like, yeah the electroshock therapy was a simple uh, explanation right like and also and the, lobotomy the lobotomy at the end is the same thing right but that's never people are like well, Nurse Ratchet is responsible for that. That you never know. No, that you would don't be know one of if the other that was doctors, her or not. Like, because they get sent away to that weird hallway, right? Like, yeah. there's a whole set of other orderlies there, and there was like a supervising kind of doctor. Clearly, in that scene where he gets shocked, he doesn't know what he's going in for. Yeah, <laughs> and, but they they never you never know. Like, does she even have the authority to approve no, something of like that? Not. You know, she can suggest it, but obviously, there's a surgeon and a supervising doctor that has to sign off on all that stuff. And, you could simply just make the argument. I mean, as we clearly are, it's just that like is she actually a villain or is she doing her job? And I, I think you could make an argument for both for both points, but for me, a villain, and again, obviously this is like a product of its time and there aren't movie villain like, like, you know, Walking Phoenix for the Joker, for example, it's like now movie villains are, that are winning Oscars are insane. Yeah, so sure, yeah. it, for the time, this was probably like, wow. But I think that it had more to do with the fact that she was a woman who was very cold and had power. Yes. And I think that for 1975, that was like, still so much what shocking. a cunt. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, so I just, I think at one point Dr. Nicholson literally calls her I think so, yeah. Whenever sure. he's <laughs> talking to the doctor. So yeah. it's just sort of like... It, like, and She does clock him early as a problem. You can tell that, but I see what you're getting at. A, a villain should have an evil motive yeah. and an end goal. I don't think she has one at the beginning no. of this film. She, There's no moment where you look at her looking at him thinking, I'm going to squash this guy. Yeah. I maybe get him in line because he, you know, he gets everybody else riled up. You see that look quite a bit. Also, <laughs> yeah. I, I want him. Yeah. She's I like want her to get teacher. him. I don't like him. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't I mean, like him. He's and abusing the system. He's abusing. He's, and, yeah. you know, he always, it's so funny because, like, I love Jack Nicholson because course, he's so yeah. good at playing an asshole. Like, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Terms of endearment, and as good as it gets, yeah, he's go not likable in any of those roles. No, no, yeah. But that's what makes it so fun, yeah. and so he's very good at playing that. And he loves doing it. You can see it in his performances. Yeah, he's happy to be that guy. hundred <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. percent. I would in love Chinatown, to be that guy. Yeah. We no, would sure. all love to be well, that there are guy. There far more interesting parts. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. but. Anyway, okay, so um, I this has been fun. I actually thought that you were going to be like, actually, Louise Fletcher is the evil villain, and I'm glad that we kind of, I mean, got on the same page about yeah. that for on certain things. Like, you know, when those, yeah. I, who did you say did the paper on it? Because I can see that as an older, like, either from the misogynist. Oh, it wasn't it? It was like view. some YouTube video. Oh, okay. I thought you said some <laughs> I can't actress read, did an I article know. on it too. <laughs> Because I'd like to see an up-to-date version of that essay. Like, do you still, looking back now, whatever, um, nearly 40 years later, <laughs> do you I think do you still called, see like, her as that? Because I don't. Maybe, I mean, maybe I'm biased because my mother was a nurse. So I don't know. Well, maybe part of me is 
prejudice. Oh, your mother is there. Okay, so naturally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, there could so be some natural biases there. I think so. Yeah. Um, Although I wouldn't we say my mother was cold, for... but you never know. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there was times. You're like my mother's Louise Fletcher. <laughs> um, the movie or the video on YouTube is called "Analyzing Evil." Okay. Uh, See, Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> and the whole the whole video even says like yeah. he's like it's not about these big moments. It's about what she isn't saying that makes it so yeah, scary. Yeah. And there's a whole part of this journey to that Jack's on that has nothing to do with her you know it's purely about um, that he's in control he thinks he's in control all the time and then slowly but surely he starts to realize he has no control like the early bet when he's just like I'm going to pick this thing up I'm going to throw it through the window and we're all going to go downtown and watch the A's beat the whoever was playing the World Series and then he can't get it off the ground he can't even move it like an inch like it doesn't even budge and then he has to walk out with his tail between his legs and say well at least I tried damn it at least I tried you know and then next you know like the 68 days that illusion starts to go away yeah he's committed yeah and then that he's like oh I'll, I'll just be able to charm my way through this and that and then every once in a while he just keeps hitting a wall I guess maybe that's where ratchet is mean that in a lot of ways she kind of represents that wall um and then he feels trapped, and then he acts sort of like an he's animal that's criminal. trapped in a corner. You know, he's, you like, know, he's like, a criminal. He's <laughs> lying to be there. He like, had sex with a fifteen-year-old. Let's not forget that. Yeah, too. like I'm sorry. Like he's several not, assaults, three, I believe. You know, I anyway. Yeah. I don't. I don't. No, no, no. I, I, I feel bad that he was lobotomized, and I'll say that. Hundred percent. Yeah. That is because they literally because you know that it's that part of your brain. The reason they used to do that is when until you hit like your mid twenties, you don't have that part of your brain in the frontal lobe that says, hey. Maybe this is a dumb idea. Maybe it's like impulse control, essentially. Right. And they literally used to just cut your cranium open, take like a medical device and just scrape it out. Oh, <laughs> just because your brain can still function even medieval. without that shit. It'll just like torture, man. Like just so fucked up. But again, that's not even really what the film is about. No. It's just the tragedy that he ends up walking himself into. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, it was never Nurse Ratchet. It was all Randall McMurphy. It was. Yeah, he was his By own worst standard, enemy. It absolutely would be. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this has been fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've been talking about Nurse Ratchet for almost like 20 minutes. So if anything that really does speak to <laughs> yes, yeah, the yeah. performance. Um, okay, so uh, we've reached the end. Which means that we have to pick who we think that the Oscar should have gone to. So you are <clears throat> my guest of honor. So please reveal who you think that the Oscar should have gone to first, and then explain why. Okay, I believe the Oscar should have went to. Isabel at Johnny. Okay. Well, Again, you just heard me tell you why Louise Fletcher absolutely nails this thing to the wall. For me, the deciding factor is who's carrying the film here for real. And as fantastic as she is, and again, she is, is very much the linchpin of the film. Like, she is the foil that, it, you know, that he's competing against with, in a sense, even though it's really it's just sort of a mirror of himself. Um, she's fantastic and all that, but, like, if, we, if you just look at the workload... That they're both tremendously committed performances. Uh, the arc of the character, again, like as great as Louise Fletcher's subtle performance was, and as much as she did with, again, very little meat on those bones, man. Like she added a lot. She put all the flesh on those bones. She added a lot to that character. But she is in, you know, like it's post to post Isabel in her film, you know, and like I said. There's a lot of great subtleties going on there, too. Like, her character was compelling for the whole two hours. 
she constantly had me like trying to guess left or right. Like, is she this kind of crazy? Is she that kind of crazy? Is this love? <laughs> There's different this, flavors. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to know, and I still wanted to know by the end of the film. <laughs> and, then, and then again, I just it was such a baffling baffling story and that i constantly act like i can't believe this is true like this she's playing a real person here to the point where i will probably do a deep dive on this character this adele sure. hugo sure i'm i'm fascinated with her life but yeah i just thought she was riveting from beginning to end and like again with very little uh wavering of any kind you know she was consistent she was she obviously knew what she was gunning for and i didn't see it drop for a second anywhere and it was a wonderfully paced performance and layered and um yeah i just i thought she did an excellent job and, and again had to carry more of the film than i thought louise did mm. only because and not to say because she she and jack are obviously the two stars but it, there's so much of the the uh the background of the film what makes it feel so great is all these other actors in the background filling up this set you know this crazy house they are just lifting her and jack up on their shoulders like making everything they do seem so believable which is not a slight on her it's just just like she i felt like had a, a greater advantage in that sense so she had a, a greater advantage with less responsibility in the end so that's why i really thought isabel sean in again she was so young so well done and just there's a lot of complicated themes going on in her performance and playing crazy is always fucking hard drunk crazy and dumb are probably the three hardest things in the world to play <laughs> and she did a few of them at the same time in this movie. so bravo to her and only 20 years old yeah yeah that obviously Luis is probably the sexier choice because again that the film her film is superior i think it is the best film in it but i'd say isabel is the best actress in all of those films okay um i think that the oscar should have gone to isabella johnny uh i don't I'm not really going to repeat a lot of the things you said, but basically everything that you just <laughs> yeah, said, yeah. Um, just because I do think that um, Louise Fletcher in the movie represents the opposite of what Jack Nicholson represents. So they have really wonderful scenes together. However, you know, talking about like the subtle effect, it's like Carol Kane um, in uh, Hester Street you know, also has like a subtle but effective performance. And then you have Louise Fletcher giving us honestly kind of a subtle performance because her evil villainous layers, it's all the things that she's not saying that makes her so evil. And you're like, okay, well, you can interpret that in more than one way. And I think that for sure. me, I think that fine, good, great that she has an Oscar. Yes, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is obviously the superior movie here in this, in this, in these five. Uh, category in these five nominees here of, of the films is obviously the, the the superior film, but I gotta say I feel like this might be controversial. Mm -hmm. uh, Louise Fletcher, it's kind of like right place, right time, and I feel like you get swept up in like the wow of the movie, yeah, yeah. and I just don't really think that Louise Fletcher is doing as much as Isabella Johnny. And no, no, yeah, yeah. There is something to be said about like the subtlety of a performance and what it means historically to people, and that's fine. But just 
for me, for personal taste, because like, I can obviously see why Louise Fletcher won uh, and what that meant to people. But for me, Isabella Johnny uh, had way more to do. She had way more to work with. And I think that she made it more effective. This is the type of movie that I like. I love that. Um, she literally went across the entire world for this gorgeous man and he rejected her and she did whatever she could to embarrass herself <laughs> and she did it in kind of like a entertaining but not like sad way exactly um, but then her descent into madness very well paced um, and like you said it's like the the drunk stupid angry whatever crazy it's like it is very very difficult and there are scenes where she's mm -hmm. doing multiple things at once also for such a young age yeah, yeah. to be able to accomplish all of that i really appreciated it and also um just the fact that she was serving so much face and i just was like absolutely <laughs> yeah. mesmerized by her not that that wins you an oscar but like it kind of does halle yeah, berry yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah. and anyway i'm just i'm just saying just absolutely absolutely um mesmerizing and um i i've seen her in camille, camille claudel and i loved her in that as well and this is a, a different kind of historical drama and i i really 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 enjoyed it where i maybe found Nurse Ratchet being the winner and so villainous, a little confusing. And because I was so confused why she was regarded as such a villain, it distracted from the movie a little bit for me. Uh, sure, sure. Because I was so confused of why everybody hated her so much. And so just for all of those reasons, I think it's Isabel Ajani. Yeah. Okay, wow, we did it. <laughs> we did, <laughs> we did, did it. I think that's a compliment to Louise, too, that, that she made her so likable, Nurse Ratchet, that she made it so difficult <laughs> to both... That's empathize true. with her and not empathize with her. Yeah, she's yeah. yeah. But in the end, all the heavy lifting, I think. I honestly, I, I even would have given like my second place though to probably Anne Margaret because what the actual fuck? And again, you nailed it too. Anybody could have won this too. I thought uh, Hester Street, that movie too, is just so hard, so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and again, yeah. Oh, yeah, Carol any, Kane, well any done. Any one of those really. girls. Anyone any ex yeah. except for Glenda yeah. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Well, Glenda again, was the only one that I didn't. Yeah. It's just I've seen it. You know. Yeah. I mean, I've but seen any it. one of them really could have walked yeah, yeah. away with it. It just didn't seem challenging to her. No. You know, I feel like she could do that do with it her eyes sleep. closed. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, that concludes another episode. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on social media? Oh, man, I'm on all the meads, you know what I mean? The Twitter, the TikTok, the... I think I'm even on MySpace still, you Love know it. what I mean? Just Me plenty too. of fish, plenty of meat, whatever, all those I'll things. put you in my top eight. <laughs> Just type in Brian Hat, you'll find me. Beautiful. Okay, well, thank you for being a guest, and we'll have to have you back again. Always a pleasure, sir. Bye. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's End.